It's a pleasure this morning to introduce our guest speaker, Brother Dave Miller. And for those of you who have good memory, Stanley, he was with us in 2011. Is that correct? <laughs> I could say a lot of things about Brother Miller, but uh, he told me to keep it short and sweet, and that's what I want to do. This morning he will be addressing the topic of the silencing of God. In our Bible class hour, he would be addressing the topic of Islam. Now, Brother Dave. What is happening to our country? Two hundred. We just celebrated our 230th anniversary as a nation. A nation that was intended by the founders to acknowledge the one true God and the one true religion. And yet, in the last, what, 50, 60 years, we have seen ongoing concerted efforts virtually now on a daily basis in which people are trying to silence God, that is, push him out of our society, push him out of our government, our schools, our public life, and to try to eliminate all of the Christian connections that have characterized our civilization from the very beginning. And what do they hope to accomplish? What, what is so important to them that they would eliminate God? Well, we want two men to be able to marry. We want boys to be able to go into girls' bathrooms. This is insane. We are literally living at unprecedented times, certainly in the history of our nation. And yet from the very beginning, our nation has been friendly toward Christianity, so much so that we are even today still, oddly enough, considered worldwide to be a Christian nation. Now, don't miss the point here. The majority of our people have never been New Testament Christians. But do you not see that we have never been known as an Islamic nation? We're not a Buddhist nation or a Hindu nation. We're not an atheistic nation. We've never been a religionless nation or a nation that is religiously neutral. No. The majority of Americans have professed primarily Protestant Christianity. And the majority of our people have agreed on what the founders called the general doctrines of Christianity. One God, one Christ, one Bible, inspired Old and New Testament, one hell, one heaven. That Christianity is the one true religion. But that is rapidly changing. Because for many years, sinister forces have been operating. And they fly by many different names. It's hard to believe that you could go back to your grandparents' day and if you said something about evolution and humans coming from ape-like creatures, they'd look at you like, what are you talking about? And now that's the basic teaching of all, virtually all American schools. A lot of it started right over here in Dayton, Tennessee. Humanism, political correctness is the current terminology. So much so that uh, they've done everything they can to vilify America's heritage, 
and to make it appear as if we have not been the nation that we were. They've tried to mischaracterize and misrepresent us, our, only, our own president. And, you know, I'm not suggesting to you um, any political orientation, but he uh, simply has made a speech at least three times in which he says, whatever we once were, we're no longer just a Christian nation. We're a nation of Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus. Well, in my opinion, that's wrong on several levels, but it acknowledges a widespread attempt to diffuse and dilute Christian influence in our country, thinking that that's positive, that that will be a useful and, and helpful thing for our nation. Folks, I'm telling you, we are in a war right now. This nation is in a life and death struggle for its very life. And whatever the surface issues are that pop up constantly in the media on a daily basis, we need to understand as Christians, have a very clear, single-sided understanding there's only one issue here. Whether or not our nation is going to continue to acknowledge the one true God and the one true religion. That's all this is about. And that's where the war is focused, by Hollywood, by uh, the educational system largely across our nation, university-wide. Have you looked, for example, at the, the latest statistics on the two foremost uh, educational associations, the Union for Teachers, the NEA, National Education Association? You know, they have literally given millions of dollars to one political orientation to promote their agenda. That's what they take the teacher's money and do with it. when they ought to be focusing on teaching children reading, writing, arithmetic. So, all over our nation, from the left coast all the way to our nation's capital, and now more than ever before, openly hostile toward God. You know, 50 years ago, if you were in Hollywood and you made some crack against God or Christ, that would be the end of your career. Not anymore. You can say or do anything to trash Christians. It's open season on Christians and the God of the Bible. I'm convinced that you and I as Christians are facing the most perilous times we've ever faced in our society, but in the process we are witnessing our nation's religious, moral, and spiritual moorings disintegrate. We're being told that we must not, uh, you know, talk much about our religion, not on the job, not in public. Kids can't do it in school, can't do it in the classroom. Teacher can't do it. Supreme Court ruled many years ago after they pitched prayer out of the schools, which, by the way, indicates prayer was always in our schools, all the way back. They won't even allow a teacher to have a closed Bible sitting on her desk. That might influence the children adversely. Yeah, it probably would nowadays for sure. We don't want to offend people. You see, it's insensitive for you to be a Christian. Because Christianity, by nature, is a public religion. We're supposed to talk about it. God commands us to do that. Well, you're insensitive. Would you have ever thought that day could come in our nation as it has? Public references to God, every effort being made to eradicate those, we're told, you know, that's really what founders wanted. They wanted separation of church and state. So no, they didn't want God and Christ mentioned in the government and in the public schools. 
Think about what has happened just in our lifetime because of this propaganda, this line of thinking. We certainly don't have time to look at this in great detail, but here's the current sitting court. You know, uh, um, Antonin Scalia passed away just recently, probably the most conservative on the court appointed by Reagan. But uh, these five justices completely overstepped their bounds as justices. They weren't even doing their job. And took it upon themselves to state to the nation in a case that has gone down now in infamy as Obergell, June 26th, a year ago, they said the Constitution allows two people of the same gender Don't you know that the halls of hell cackled with glee to reject the God of the Bible? Constitution guarantees a right to same-sex marriage. You know, if you could go back and line all of the founders up, all the men that uh, architect the uh, Constitution, just get them all in one big room and say, when you wrote the Constitution, did you intend to leave the impression that two men can marry? That's laughable if it were not so deadly serious. So you know they're not following the Constitution. They don't respect the Constitution. Several of them have said so. They don't think it is a, an up-to-date document. Same attitude that many Americans now take toward the Bible. Roberts said, Chief uh, Justice Roberts said, you know what, <laughs> this decision had nothing to do with the Constitution. Um, and look at how we're being inundated with this now. Products that have nothing to do with this subject. And yet, the advertising agencies, Hollywood, they're all orchestrating this widespread attempt, this propaganda machine, to force it down our throat. What does it have to do with Tylenol? Disney Channel now has their own same-sex couple in one of their programs. Never mind the fact that, no, this doesn't have anything to do with genetics. You know, about 20, 30 years ago, they came out with that, and, and that spread across our nation, and everybody thought, wow, this is settled. Remember whenever they mapped out the genetic code? That began during the uh, Clinton administration. It was finished during the Bush, Bush administration. The entire human genetic genome. You remember they made the announcement, we found the gay gene. No, they made no such announcement, because they didn't. And I assure you they would have trumpeted it from the four uh, directions if they could. You and I don't have to be geneticists to know they never will find that. Because we've read a book that came from the mind of God. And that book makes it very clear that there are certain activities that are sinful in the sight of God, always have been, always will be. They're not confined to one period of history. Patriarchal, Mosaic, Christian. These have always been illicit behaviors according to the God of the Bible. Now you either accept and believe Him or you don't. No genetics will ever endorse any of these activities. And by the way, they are becoming widespread, all of them. You realize that when they speak of LGBTQ, Q being questioning, 
They're talking even about bisexual activity. I mean, the Bible would describe the day in which you and I live as a sexually depraved society. And we Christians had better wake up and realize how dreadfully so that is. And not become easily softened and influenced by our wicked generation. Our own vice president said, you know what the, the leading civil rights issue of our day is? Shame, shame. I went to a homosexual website, transgender, an umbrella term for, you know, you may not want me to call, call your attention all this, but I'm telling you it's in our faces and it's infiltrating our schools and our young people know about this. If we think we're preserving them from indelicate information, they're being inundated. And we had better prepare ourselves to deal with it. A host of transgender children's books are flooding the market to indoctrinate young people and to accomplish the goal that they have set for themselves. Constitution, we've been told, is you know, separation of church and state. Founding fathers were pluralistic. That is, they put all religions on a, on a same level. They embraced all religions. They did not favor any particular one. In fact, they were deists. They weren't even Christians. And therefore, they opposed public expressions of such matters in the public square. Adolf Hitler, you know, he accomplished a lot, brought the entire world into war. And he would tell you that one of the basic ways he did it in the 1920s when he was sitting in prison in Germany was to write a book in which he talked about how to promote a cause. And one of the ways you do that is to create lies. And the bigger the lie, the better the more likely it's to believe, and you repeat it over and over and over. And if you can get the media to do it, and you can get politicians to do it, and you can get uh, schools to do it, you can take that society. And you and I have witnessed this in our own lifetime. They've done it with evolution, and now they're doing it on these matters. It's easier to believe a lie that one has heard a thousand times than to believe a fact that no one's ever heard before. Separation of church and state, of course, not even in the Constitution or any other organic utterance of the founders. The late Chief Justice William Rehnquist said it's a misleading metaphor. It does not represent constitutional history. It's just a ploy to use to get traction to promote an agenda. You know, of all people in this country and on the planet, Christians ought to be least likely to be drawn in by error. The only reason why we would be is if we fail to do what God has told us over and over and over to do. Educate yourself. Fill your mind with the Word of God. What's wrong with rank-and-file Americans that are falling for all this propaganda? Well, they're too busy playing and having fun and, and enjoying and feeding their flesh and, and enjoying themselves and are losing interest in examining information to determine whether it's right or wrong. Like John said, 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that's exactly where we are right now. Notice that there's only two possibilities here. Either the founders intended for us to keep God and the Bible out of public life, or they intended for the government to not interfere in any way with that. Somebody wants to put a, you know, a Ten Commandment monument up on the town square... 
The government has no right to step in there and tell that town and those people they can't do that. That's what the founders said. And that's the very thing now that's happening in our country. The founders would be upset. The fact of the matter is the evidence is massive. It is decisive. They intended for the majority of our people to maintain a belief in the one true God, which they would say is not a law. We'll talk about that in the next hour. And to believe in the Bible and to believe in Christianity and to pursue those as they understand the Bible. That's what they would say. And they would say the founding of our country and its perpetuation depend on it. It's not just a side thing that you do in your life. It's integral and central to maintaining our national existence. You know, those are big claims. We know the Bible teaches that. We just had it read to us a moment ago. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What does that say about nations that are not? What's the condition of India, which has been a Hindu nation for thousands of years? You want to go live there? We're sacred cows, which they will not kill because, as Mahatma Gandhi said, that is Hinduism's gift to humanity. Sacred cows. So they step over the starving human beings in the streets. What a great religion. That's what that's done for that country. They want to come here, like virtually everybody else does. Sadly, our own people now no longer know why America has excelled all other nations in human
lean down and kiss the Bible. Many others have done the same thing. What about education? Here's a host of books, a host of others, that uh, document the decline of our nation, the decline of American education, the infiltration of American education by Marxism, socialism, atheism, hostility toward Christianity is widespread in our nation. And yet our nation, for the first 200, 150, 200 years, were based, education was based on books that are literally laced with Bible, Bible scriptures, allusion, allusions to God, Christianity. That's always characterized our nation. One of our founders that signed the declaration was a medical doctor, physician, Dr. Benjamin Rush. The only foundation for a useful education in a republic is to be laid in religion. Now look at that. Education, if you want a republic, not a dictatorship or monarchy or anything like we have, then you have to lay your education in religion. But what religion? Just, you know, religion? Without this, there can be no virtue. More, that's their word for morality. And without morality, there's no freedom. You want to maintain your freedom as a people? Then you've got to keep your people moral, according to Christian standards. And the only way to keep your people moral is to teach it in the public schools. Now, that's what the founders believe. We're living in a time where the exact opposite is the prevailing view. We profess to be Republicans, yet we neglect the only means of establishing and perpetuating our Republican forms of government, the universal education of our youth and the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. This divine book, above all others, favors that equality among mankind, that respect for just laws, those sober and frugal virtues which constitute the soul of Republicanism. Think of the national songs that are literally embedded in our national consciousness. They're loaded with God and Christ and the Bible. Take, for example, our national anthem. Have you seen that at a ball game? Everybody knows the first verse. Never looked at the fourth verse. It's our national anthem. Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and their war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven rescue land, rescued by God. Praise the power that made and preserved. Who or what made this country? God. What keeps us going? God. That's what most Americans believe for most of our history. And conquer we must when our cause it is just, and this be our model. And God is our trust. What about our national hymn? How many Americans know? We have an official national hymn. Look what it says. We have this in our songbooks. It is God who leads us. And what is our law? Well, it's pretty important to say, not the Bible. You can't have a Bible in a jury deliberation room. You can't have a Bible in public schools. We don't want the Bible in the court system. You know what the founder said, and most Americans said? God's word is our nation's law. That's where the foundational laws and doctrines of our country came that came right out of the And why are we talking about true religion? You're going to insult all the people that don't have it. 
you should care enough for their souls to encourage them to turn to the truth. Have you thought about how many names of towns and cities and counties are based on the Bible? Right here in Tennessee. I don't have time to go into all of that. And of course, our cemeteries are loaded with indications of our Christian heritage, including our military cemeteries that are overseas. They're loaded. Clear indication. This is uh, Omaha Beach, where thousands of our young World War II generation men stormed the beaches of Normandy. This is the cliffs overlooking it, where they've uh, buried a lot of those soldiers. And of course, uh, their crosses. Their crosses that indicate where they were buried. Crosses, not crescent moons for most. Well, what can we do, folks? If you agree with me, our nation's in trouble. We're headed. Here's uh, nine recommendations. Number one, if you and I are not being the faithful to God, why would we expect a nation? We ourselves have to be dedicated Christians. Well, what does that mean? The New Testament lays that out. For one thing, we attend every first day of the week. We study our Bibles. We pray. We bring up our families in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We model Christianity to the world around us. Are we doing that? Or we show up Sunday morning to kind of maintain our religiosity, but really it doesn't have much more effect in it. That's pretty much the manifestation of our faith. Is the Lord's church stronger now than it's ever been or weaker? Of all times in the history of our declining nation, God is looking to the church to lead the way in representing Him accurately to the darkening society around us. And you realize that every person in this assembly has been placed here, as Mordecai told Esther, for such a time as this? Are we all going to rise and do our part? Are we going to be a part of the solution or part of the problem? We need to study our Bibles and fill our minds with His Word so that we will be faithful and we can encourage other people to look to Him and the truth. We need to dedicate our families to the truth. We need to monitor their condition and their behavior and help them to be God-oriented. We need to pray. We need to promote church attendance. Do you know how many Christian, uh, Americans go to church now? Right now, on Sunday morning, nationwide, it's worse than the more liberal states, it's better than more conservative states, but a nationwide average, right now, four out of ten go to church. 60% of Americans don't even go to church anymore. Are they getting any spiritual nourishment? Any, not any understanding of God? Do you think these little children in our nation, do they ever hear anything about God other than their parents using God's name in vain? No. But where are they going to get moral and spiritual nourishment? They ought to approach politics spiritually, quit focusing on family connections and heritage and focus on morality and spirituality. Well, these are some recommendations. Our time is gone. Remember Solomon's Prayer? 
won't stop to read that now, but uh, look at this statement in Zechariah's day. God did everything he could to keep Israel on track, and they refused. They just kept moving further and further away from God. And finally, that pleasant land that God had created for them was desolate. That same God is looking down upon this nation and upon us today. Will our pleasant land be terminated? That's not out of the realm of the nature of God. And look at what God said uh, in Deuteronomy to the Israelites. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Look at that phrase. For the abundance of everything. What a description of America. You and I wallow in abundance. Let me show you one more thing and then we'll close. This is uh, the father of Samuel Morrison. I met his Morrison. Sermon in 1799. Tell me if this does not describe our condition. He looked down the scope of time over two centuries and gave us some information right out of the Bible. Our dangers are of two kinds those that affect our religion and those which affect our government. They are, however, so closely allied that they cannot with propriety be separated. The foundations which support the interests of Christianity are also necessary to support a free and equal government like our own. Who believes that? Do our politicians believe that? In all those countries where there's little or no religion or a very gross and corrupt one, as in Muhammad, Islamic countries, pagan countries, there you will find, with scarcely a single exception, arbitrary and tyrannical governments gross ignorance and wickedness and deplorable wretchedness among the people. Look out over the landscape of the world and tell me if it's changed. Is there any Islamic nation that you would like to move to? To the kindly influence of Christianity, we owe that degree of civil freedom and political and social happiness which mankind now enjoys. To what does this, should this nation attribute its happiness and joy and freedom? Christianity. In proportion as the genuine effects of Christianity are diminished in any nation. How so? Either through unbelief, the corruption of its doctrines, or the neglect of its institutions. There's a description of our nation right now. In the same proportion will the people of that nation receive from the blessings of genuine freedom and approximate the miseries of complete despotism. I hold this to be a truth confirmed by experience. And so it follows. All efforts made to destroy the foundations of our holy religion ultimately tend to the subversion also of our political freedom and happiness. If any politician, if any Hollywood actor or actress, if any teacher in any school ever says or does anything negative toward Christianity, they're tearing down our country and subverting our happiness and freedom. Do you believe that? No, we like to go see their movies and we like to evoke them. Now read this with me and we. Wherever the 
pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican forms of government, and all those blessings that you and I wallow in every day must fall. They must. So according to the founders, if we strip God and Christianity out of our hearts, our friendships, our behavior, our schools, our homes, our churches, our businesses, our politics, our cities and counties, and our countries, our nation is doomed. Let me close. There is a God. He's the God of the Bible. He loves us. He's created the one true religion. He's given us his church. We have every reason to be happy and contented and satisfied in life and anticipate eternity together. But we've got our work cut out for us if we're going to try to save our nation have a positive influence over